Welcome back to another edition of the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. This is Matt Gall, joined here in the Newman Flanagan Center, coaches' offices with head coach Mark Sfigera. And we've got kind of a full agenda today. We've got uh, three wins to talk about, which makes it kind of an exciting podcast. And then a couple upcoming games here at the end of the week. But coach, it's uh, first part of November. We set our clocks back uh, last night, so it's going to start to get dark out early, which which to me makes it feel like uh, it's officially basketball season. I don't know. There's just something about October that doesn't quite feel like it's here yet. But when you see November hit the calendar, uh, it all of a sudden it just feels really real. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And I, I definitely agree with you that it's really exciting to do one of these podcasts after you win three games in a week. And on top of that, we have a, a big-time guest on the podcast today, a guy who's going to join us here in a little bit, and that's our, our head wrestling coach, Joe Privetier, guy who I've become friends with in my time here. And, and he's done a really, really good job not only building our, our wrestling program, having a lot of success, and then sustaining that success that they've built. And, and so I'm excited to have him on. I'm sure he's going to bring some hot takes and possibly controversial opinions but uh, we're, we're excited to have him on today, and it, it's good to be back, and it's, it's really good to have a couple games under our belt. And, and win or lose, sometimes you just need to get out and play, and I think that's where we were at a week ago when we talked. And so now that, that we've got a couple of those under our belt, let's, let's go. Well, let's get right into it then with uh, the first game of the year, also the home opener, and that was the game against Graceland, the Halloween game that uh, was played back on the 29th. And uh, a game that really never got away from either team at any point. It was close from uh, the tip-off all the way through uh, the second overtime. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if there was a lead really bigger than probably six to ten points, maybe at, at one point during the game. But uh, we were able to get out of there with a double overtime win, 116 to 112. Uh, you know, definitely kind of a gut check for first game of the year. Kind of see what your guys are made of, see how they can handle a tough game, fast-paced game, a lot of scoring. What were your takeaways from that? Well, I think the, the biggest takeaway was just you can learn a lot when, when a game gets tight and things get stressful, a little chaotic. And, and I, think, I think we have a pretty tough group. I think we have some, some resilient dudes who – even making some mistakes that we made or missing some shots or missing a rebound opportunity that we had, they found a way to get it done. And, and that's what I told them afterwards. It, when we watched the film, it wasn't going to be a thing of beauty, but they found a way to win. And, and I think that says a lot about a team and a group of guys. And, and so that was my biggest takeaway. And I, I think when you play that first game of the year, you're always going to learn a lot. There's going to be a lot of things that go wrong whether it's execution or, or anything else, you're going to work out a lot of the kinks. You're going to have some nerves going and all that, but you're going to learn a lot from it. If you can learn a lot from it and win the game, to me, that's a double win. And, and so getting out of there with a the win was huge. We had a big-time atmosphere here in the Flanagan Center. You know, student section was awesome. They were really into it. That's one of those I, I don't always realize that in the moment, but as I watch the film, I'm just like, holy cow, our student section was awesome. And so that was awesome to see, especially early in the season. I know sometimes it takes takes them a little while to get going, but they, they were ready to go on Tuesday night. And, and on top of that, you know, I think it was really a total team effort, you know, getting that done. We had two guys who scored a ton of points. You know, Jackson went for 49 and, and Ethan went for 32. But we also had some huge contributions from other guys. Sammy Green had nine assists. Austin Ropeman had six assists. And, and Andy Geelan had six rebounds. So we, we just had a lot of guys who contributed to that win. And then in the overtimes, we kind of we rolled our returners out there and left them in, and we didn't sub and kind of put it on those guys to get it done, and that's what they did. Walker, number 22 for those guys, uh, felt like he could kind of do whatever he wanted, especially down low. But I thought towards the end of the game, uh, Austin Roteman played him pretty well in some key possessions. Uh, you know, Jackson, I thought a few times was ready to help kind of uh, on the backside when he'd get the ball down low. And there was maybe three or four possessions in a row where he couldn't get it done and we got the rebound. And that, that was really huge to allow us to get in transition and, you know, maintain a lead or at least keep it close. And, and uh, you know, it's those little things that are sometimes – Hard to notice when you've got a guy going off for 49, another guy going off for 32, and it's high scoring. But 
in a game that close, it's the little things that matter. And I thought in the stretch, some little plays turned out to be big plays. Yeah, and that's, you know, he was a tough matchup for us. Um, kind of a hybrid inside-outside, big, physical, athletic uh, kid. And, and we, we basically asked Austin Ropeman and Andy Geelan to, to guard him pretty much all night. And, and I thought those guys did a really good job. You know, he was a leading scorer, but he took 24 shots to get his 22 or 23 points, whatever he had. So it wasn't an overly efficient night for him. I think our guys did make some things hard. And, you know, defense was not the, the prettiest we've ever played on Tuesday night. But I think what what the guys showed me was when we really needed to get a couple stops, we got a couple stops. And, you know, late in that second overtime, I know our guys were gassed. You know, some of those guys played upwards of 45 minutes. And I know they were tired, and they just got it done. And, and that, like I said, tells me a lot about this team early in the season. So a few nights later, uh, Friday night, you guys went down to Bellevue for the Bellevue Classic and took on number 22 Bellevue at their place and won a, a much more defensive game, uh, won 81 to 76. Uh, you guys pulled away in the first half for a little while, and then they were able to, to kind of fight back, and it stayed pretty close most of that game. But, again, just another hard-fought, tough game with – a lot of different guys contributing. You had a freshman coming up big, Connor Groves, with 19 points in that game. Um, and I think you had five players in double figures for the game. So just kind of an, another all-around effort. Uh, do you think you guys were kind of still riding a little bit of a high from Graceland? Were there some things that you took from that game that you were able to immediately see that you were able to implement within a few days of work? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you ask that. We actually we took Wednesday off after the Graceland game, and that was planned before we went to double overtime, but it ended up being really good for us, and we just watched film. But uh, we, we watched a lot of clips with the guys, and we showed a couple clips that, that were not good for us, you know, mostly on the defensive end, but a couple just careless turnovers or missed execution things on the offensive end. And we just, we just asked them, like, how bad would we feel or how sick would we be about this possession if, if, the, flip, or if the script would have flipped and we lost the game in double overtime? And it's those little things that are going to make a difference for us going forward. And so I, I don't, you know, to answer your question, if we were still riding high, I, I don't know. I think it gave us some confidence. You know, anytime you win your first game, it's going to boost your confidence a little bit. And I think the guys came out and played very confident against Bellevue. And, and Bellevue, like I said last week, that's a program that I have a ton of respect for. You know, they've been to, I think, 18 of the last 19 national tournaments. And I don't know if anybody else can say that. And it's also a place – that over the last 20 years, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a NAI school with a better home record than they've had at, at their gym. And so to go in there and win and control most of the game, that's a credit to our guys. They did a really good job, and, and we had much better balance offensively on Friday night, and that's something – that's a good thing. You know, on, on Tuesday, we really leaned on, on Jackson and Ethan, and those guys had it going, and when they get it going, we're going to keep riding those guys. But when we can have other guys step up and, and score, I know Andy Geelan was in double figures. Jaden Klein-Hesslink was in double figures. You mentioned uh, Connor Groves coming off the bench. I, I thought he was the X factor in the game. He came in off the bench, gave us a huge spark in the first half. I think he scored 12 points in his first run of five, six minutes. And that really got us going offensively. And, and it, again, it's a total team effort. And, you know, the one thing through the first two games that we really struggled with was just defensive rebounding. And, and we're not the biggest team. We're not going to be the most athletic or the most physical. But there's been some times where we, we need to do a better job of coming up with rebounds and, and stopping possessions. And I think had we done just a little bit better job against Bellevue, I think that's a bigger margin. There was a couple times where they would hit a three off an old board. And, you know, those are killers. But, uh, you know, when, again, when it came down to it, we got three stops in a row with about two and a half minutes down to 30 seconds left in the game, and, and that helped us preserve the victory because our offense at times was not great against Bellevue. We had some great uh, runs of possessions, but we also had you know, a time where we got stopped seven in a row and turned it over a couple times. And so when our defense can, can keep us ahead or keep us in a game, whatever it may be, that's going to be a good thing because most nights it will probably be the opposite. But uh, guys really dug deep and, and found a way to get it done. Yeah, we failed to mention in the Graceland game, uh, we set a school record for threes in a game, team threes in a game with 23. Then you turn around at Bellevue and are 5 of 17, I believe. 
Uh, and, you know, I, you, I've heard over the years Briarcliff's a program that lives and dies by the three. And, and I've, I've debated that uh, with people before because I think uh, we haven't always gotten the credit for being as, as well-rounded as we've been. But, you know, to go play a tough team at their place, shoot poorly from behind the arc, make five shots and still find a way to get it done, I think is a testament to how truly balanced we are. Yeah, and that was something, you know, you could tell early on in the game that, that Bellevue had put a big emphasis on taking away the three-point shot, and they weren't going to let us get a lot of open looks. And so on the flip side of that, our counter was just, okay, we're going to cut, we're going to get into the paint, we're going to drive it, we're going to ball screen. And that got us going more than anything else was we ended up getting some really easy shots around the basket, and we didn't need to force threes. You know, we, sh we try to shoot open threes. I, that's not always the case. We all know that. But that's what we want to shoot. And, and so our guys were patient enough to just keep the ball moving, keep letting things break down defensively so we could attack offensively. And, and Bellevue plays a really aggressive defense. They're, they're, they're physical. They deny in the passing lanes. They switch everything. And at times it, it disrupted us. But I think over the, the long haul of 40 minutes, I think we really broke them down and, and got some really good things offensively. So going from a game where we're 5-17 from three, then Saturday against Nebraska Christian College kind of opened the floodgates again, uh, t hit 21 threes in a game that was really never in question, maybe at the tip-off uh, is as close as it got. But you guys took care of Nebraska Christian College, 115 to 69. Uh, I'm looking at the stats here. Everybody scored. Everybody had time. Everybody contributed. Uh, what an opportunity early in the year for you to get some guys off the bench and see what they can do in a real game time situation with something on the line. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you play these back-to-backs on, on weekends, Friday, Saturday, and, and we're going to have another one coming up here this coming week, you put a lot into Friday, and a lot of your preparation is going to go into that, that Friday opponent because our philosophy is the next game is the most important game. And if the team on Saturday does something out of the normal, we'll hit on it during the week at some point, but we're not going to talk about it a whole lot because we're going to put everything into winning that first game and, and then take the second one when that one's done. And, and when you win a big game, you know, Bellevue was in the top 25, traditionally strong program. That was a big win, no doubt about it. And, and I told the guys after the game, enjoy it. You should. That's a, that's a great win. But tomorrow morning, we, we need to make sure we're focused on Nebraska Christian. And, and so when we met in the morning, we talked about that again. And I told them I, one of the signs of a, of a good team is you don't get too high after wins. You don't get too low after losses. And so let's make sure we go out and play with high energy and high intensity. And, and that's what they did. Guy, guys did a great job of, of doing that. We were up 14-3 to three right out of the gate, got it going from deep. Um, guys were really moving the ball. I think we defended really well, rebounded better. That's, that's still a work in progress for us, and that'll be a, that'll be a focal point moving forward. But uh, you said it, everybody scored. Everybody played, you know, a good, at least one good run, if not a couple good runs a minute. And, and to see – some of the guys who, who haven't got or hadn't got in the first couple games to get in there and, and play really well, that's exciting. You know, I, I know we have a lot of talent on our roster. We have some depth on our roster. And, and unfortunately in basketball, you don't always get to show that in the game if, if you're one of the bench guys. But for those guys to go in and, and play well was awesome. And, and to see the guys who do play, the starters and some of the, the heavy minute bench guys, with the roles reversed and, and those guys getting excited for the other guys to, to be successful. That was awesome to see. And uh, so I, I was really happy with how our guys handled the weekend, approached the weekend, you know, and, and obviously to, to go 3-0 and in the first week, that's better than any alternative to it. And, and so I like where we're at. I, and I think what's exciting, and it's hard to, to say this after a week and just three games, but I, I feel like there's so much more we can do to be better and so many things we can improve on to be better, and, and we'll need to. And, and like I've said a million times, we want to continue to keep getting better all season long, and, and this is a great start to that, and we'll, we'll try to continue that as we go. So you'll have a week, full week uh, here of practice to, to try to get better before you go up to Aberdeen, South Dakota. That's a road trip. Was that about four hours, Coach? I think it's about four and a half in the buses. You know, we actually opened the season up there last year, so it's, it's not our first time going up there. And I know it, it was really – it was a chore for us to get hotels because it's pheasant hunting season oh. up in Aberdeen. Yeah. 
Well, that's uh, the presentation college classic. So it'll be a similar, I guess, type of experience. You guys will go up and play Friday night. Uh, that first game's 5:30 on Friday against Dakota State, a team that a program that we've had experience with. Uh, I think just about every year we've played them at least once. So a lot of familiarity. Uh, what do you know about this year's Dakota State team, and what are you expecting to see Friday? I sometimes think, Matt, we should we should record these podcasts on like Tuesday or Wednesdays when we play the weekend games because I know my assistants could answer these questions about our upcoming opponents better than I can because those guys work well ahead of me. But um, you know, Dakota State, good program. Coach Garner does a phenomenal job. He's he's coached basketball for a long time, and you know they're going to be a well prepared, well coached team, and you know we're going to get their best shot, and then you know we're going to be ready for it, but. Going on the road again, I, I like the fact that we already have one of these Friday Saturdays under our belt, and our guys kind of know the routine of what we're going to do and, and what to expect and all that, you know. And so we'll we'll go up there and, and hopefully we're ready to roll on Friday night. So then another 24-hour turnaround, really a 25 and a half-hour turnaround, uh, because you guys then play Presentation College, the home school, at seven o'clock on Saturday, and that's uh, so again an, another school that you know we have some history with very recent history with does that help from year to year uh with you know guys that you've already seen a little bit obviously they probably had some uh turnover or attrition with with guys graduating out or whatever but how helpful is that to play a team you know especially a non-conference team a year later when you have an opportunity to see a little bit about what they're about usually it helps quite a bit because you're going to have a familiarity with players and and just philosophies of what they want to do in this case it, it doesn't mean much they actually have a new coaching staff this year at pc uh, they only have a couple returners back that that played a lot for them last year so we're going to be going in you know we'll have film and all that but it, it'll be completely different i think than how they played in the past and you know like i already said that second game it almost is a, is an afterthought from a scouting standpoint, you know, like coaches will be really prepared, but we'll give our guys a lot less information on the second day than we do on the first day. And a lot of times we talk about this is about us and, and doing what we do well. And, and when you have a quick turnaround, that's one of the things you have to rely on. You need to, at the end of the day, always be ready to fall back on your own fundamentals and what you do well. And that'll be, that'll be our point again this coming Saturday. But I, I think it'll be good for us, you know, two teams out of the North Star Conference that we've, we've played pretty regularly. And, uh, you know, we only have three more games before we start playing GPAC games, and all of these games are opportunities to continue to get better and, and compete and all those things because when it gets to GPAC season here in a couple of weeks, the, the, the intensity's ramped up a little bit. The execution you need to have on the floor is ramped up a little bit. And everything about it is just a little bit – more intense and so we need to use all these non-conference games especially early in the season to our advantage to make sure we're as prepared as we can be when gpac play starts so once again uh no, friday november 8th briarcliff will play dakota state at 5 30 up at presentation college in aberdeen south dakota and then on saturday november 9th uh, they'll turn around and play presentation college at seven o'clock so uh, if you can make that trip uh please do uh we Certainly would, would love to see as much road support as we can get up there uh, for what will surely be, you know, another tough weekend up in the frozen tundra of northern South Dakota. All right, so now we're going to turn our attention over to our guest for the podcast this week. And this is somebody that I know we uh, wanted to get on last year, and I know he wanted to get on the podcast last year too, so I'm glad we finally were able to get him on. And that is Head wrestling coach at Briarcliff, Joe Privetier. Joe, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Joe, you're somebody, you're probably one of the more uh, longest tenured coaches here at the Cliff now. When did you actually start? I was in admissions at that time. Yeah, this will be the start of my 10th year. Okay. All so, right. I uh, just turned uh, 39 last Monday. I spent all of my 30s in Iowa. So, saying that, Coach, being a New York guy originally, if I would have told you at, at 25 you were going to spend your 30s in Iowa, what, what would your response have been? Not happening. <laughs> so, um, you know, we started our season, Joe, and, and basketball and wrestling coincide pretty much neck and neck the whole season. So that means it's time for you guys to get rolling too. And I know you guys will open up this coming weekend 
uh, at the Dakota Wesleyan Open. You want to talk about that? Where I'm sure guys are chomping at the bit to get after it. Yeah, we've put a lot of hard work in. Uh, we had an eight-week-long preseason. The guys, uh, you know, built a cardio base, spent some time with Herc, obviously, and uh, we got in the room a couple weeks ago full-time, had our wrestle-offs last Wednesday night to kind of decide some final spots. Uh, the nice thing about the Opens, obviously, is with our 46-man roster, we can bring everybody. And so, um, you know, you can tell in the room that these guys are ready to compete. So, Coach, how excited were you when you pulled up to campus the very first time and you saw the huge hills that you had to work with? Uh, you know, when I got here, I ran all of our preseason hills just to kind of see, like, how many we should do. I mean, those days are long past, but, uh, you know, what a good opportunity for our guys to, to build their legs and, um, you know, kind of change things up. You know, I don't have to do the same hill workout every Friday because, you know, we have an abundance of things that I can torture them with. So, Coach, I had a chance to watch WrestleOffs Wednesday, and, and I – self-admittedly have a limited knowledge of wrestling but I do I know what's going on and I can tell there was a lot of competitive matches which to me is a sign of a good program and a good team where you have a lot of guys who can push each other you want to preview this year's team what are you excited about what are some of the strengths of the team all that stuff yeah so uh we've got a real healthy roster this year like I said we have 46 guys um with 10 weights that's going to give us some depth and I think you saw that Wednesday night at the WrestleOffs um, right out the gate at 125 pounds, uh, Braden Clopton is ranked first in the conference, 12th in the country, and he actually lost his wrestle off. So that's how talented we are at that weight. Um, at 133, we'll have Isaiah Lysias. I mean, he's been in the national tournament a, a couple times. We're looking for him to get on the podium. Super tough kid. Chris Paulson ranked eighth in the country. He's been to the national tournament uh, a couple years in a row. So he looks to get on the podium. Uh, had 19 falls last year. Just pins everybody. Great kid. Um, him and Braden actually were two. Him, Braden, and Isaiah actually are three of our captains this year. Their teammates voted for. And then we have Matt Wilkie at heavyweight. Um, he's ranked in the country as well. So, um, you know, those are weights that obviously we feel real good about. We had four starters out with injury last year that will be added to the lineup this season. And um, obviously we think they're real competitive. Uh, that's why they're not in the rankings right now is because they couldn't compete last year. But um, we're going to surprise some people. We're ranked second in the conference right now. But, um, you know, obviously we feel like we have the horses to win it. And, um, you know, obviously you got to stay healthy, but, uh, you know, we feel good about, you know, the horses aren't stable. All right, so i gotta, I got to circle back to 133, Isaiah Lysias, one of my favorite kids on campus. I think he's an awesome kid, always in a good mood. And when you guys had your television drawing back in the fall, sold tickets for that, and he gave me one of the greatest sales presentations I've ever been a part of. And so shout out to Isaiah for that. But he, he's also, I know, a really, really good wrestler and, and looking forward for him to have another great year for you. So, Coach, you, you said 10th year at Briarcliff. And I think what's impressive about the wrestling program at this point is, is what you've built. And, and I know it took you a few years to get it rolling. And like I said, now the last few years, you guys have been at the top of the league, won it in 2018, just missed out on it a year ago. And, you know, I certainly have high hopes for you this year. I'll put all the pressure on you. I expect you to win it again this year. What, what has been one of the or some of the big things you've built the program on? Obviously, having talented wrestlers and all that, but there's more to it than just having talent. So what, what are some of the key pillars of the wrestling program? Yeah, so uh, when I got here 10 years ago, I was the only coach, and that makes things challenging from a recruiting standpoint, from a day-to-day -day operation standpoint. And um, I think that, you know, as we built our roster and grew, you know, the school and the administration, you know, supported us um, in kind. You know, we were building stuff and showing that we're going to hold up our end with the – obviously, we're – uh, you know, enroll-driven Briarcliff is. And so if you can bring in, you know, a wrestling coach that's going to, you know, add 40-some students, uh, you know, then they started, you know, helping us. And, you know, we got another wrestling. We got an upgraded wrestling room. And um, then I was adding positions to my staff, which, you know, Coach Danico Watts has done a fantastic job with us. Uh, he started out as a GA, and then um, the university approved a full-time uh, assistant coach, and he was obviously the no-brainer choice. And um, he's been my right-hand guy ever since. Uh, people, people don't know this about him. His first year with the program, 
he volunteered his time. He came to practice every single day. Um, you know, so when there was an opportunity to reward him for, you know, his effort and, you know, what he's brought to the room, uh, it was, it was, it was an easy choice to, you know, get him in and, and get him his degree and then, and then get him on staff when, when that was an option. So, but, you know, graduating guys, and when, when you start a program, you know, you have freshmen and freshmen and sophomores. I don't need to go through it. You guys are humans. Um, so it takes, you know, four years, five years, really, because you have to recruit them for a year before you have seniors and guys that are starting to graduate. Um, now we have guys that have graduated from Briarcliff that are sticking around in town. They're donating their time. They're coming up to practice, rolling with the young kids. And, you know, that makes a huge difference. The more alumni that we can keep around that are spending their time helping the freshmen get better, um, you know, it, it says a lot about the program, how they felt about their time here, but uh, that they're willing to give back. But, you know, that's been a huge addition the last couple of years, having those kids that have graduated stick around and, and help. Yeah, Mark, when you uh, asked Joe about the pillars of the wrestling program, that reminded me of when Joe came to Briarcliff, and the wrestling room was in the ground floor of Toller Hall, where there was literally a pillar right in the middle of their uh, their practice mat. If I'm not mistaken, now the football office suite, correct? Yep. Is that right? Yeah, football okay. coaches' offices are there now, and I, the way it looks now, I can't even picture it as a wrestling room. That I think that changed pretty early in my time at Briarcliff. I think at one point you guys were in the basement of Alverno as well before you moved to McCoy, or am I mistaken? Uh, we, we were always in the football offices until we ended up in McCoy. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember those days. I, I remember I, I brought a recruit on campus, him and his mom, and we opened the wrestling room door, and they said nope and turned around. I was like, I mean, it's it's real. I mean, people come, and, and they, they want an experience, and you walked into that room, and you said, you know, can I see myself being a champion here, really? And I think for a lot of the recruits at that time, the answer was no. And uh, now the situation we have over in McCoy, uh, you know, you walk in there and you say, look, this is a place where the administration is supporting the program. Um, I can see myself winning here. And it's night and day, really. So uh, we're super fortunate for, for the things that we have. And I know my guys don't take it for granted. And so, uh, you know, we try to be grateful when we can and and uh, it's a good situation. Yeah, and I think it's important for people who don't or haven't really followed the wrestling program before just to understand how drastic of a change that culture's taken on since you've gotten here uh, and the fact that the administration at the school has allowed you to uh, you know, grab things that help you make the program stronger and, and really necessary to make the program stronger. You know, I think it's a testament to the commitment they gave you and, and your commitment being here 10 years. I just think it's awesome where that program's gone. And uh, it, it, you know, Bradcliffe Wrestling's on the map and uh, it has been for a while and it, I think it will be for the foreseeable future. So one thing, one thing I got to ask you before I forget, when you first moved to town, you bought your house uh, and you bought a pool table. And I remember you had a, a sheet on your wall where you would keep track of every game that got played on your pool table so you could figure out when you actually paid that thing off by calculating, you know, a buck per game or whatever it was. Do you still have that up? And at this point, what's the ROI? I'm sure you're making money on that thing by now, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I, I've, I've made that money over twice by now. But, yeah, that card still exists, and uh, I counted every game. For, I think the table was like $1,400, so we had to play 1,400 games. And, um, yeah, that, that day came and went a long time ago. But I still have the card, and that's f funny that you remember that <laughs> because, yeah, I wanted to know when I, when I made my money back. So, On the topic of your pool table, just so the listeners know, Coach Priv in his dining room has a pool table no dining room table to speak of but a pool table and, and I've been fortunate to play a few games on there myself but uh, you know the first time you go you're a little taken aback by that it's all about having your priorities in the right order and um, I felt like a pool table was uh, a better way to spend that space than a than somewhere to eat so we, we've survived on the topic of that you're one of the more competitive people I know and I think that obviously probably drives you as a coach. But in day-to-day -day life, I, I, there's not a lot of people I know that have been more competitive than you in yard games, pool table, whatever it is. You know, where, where does that stem from? Is that just a New York thing? Or is that just something that developed throughout your, your childhood or early life? What can I say? Winners win. And uh, I've always enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I think that that uh, tri trickles down to my team. You know, you want to win all the little battles in the wrestling matches, and, and we compete in everything we do in that room. We'll bring in, you know, can jam, we'll play. And 
Um, you know, I always win, but they uh, they have a good good time fighting for second place. So, but uh, yeah, that competitiveness is important. Obviously, as an athlete and as a coach, you don't that drive um, to want to win. You know, I don't always feel like training, but I never feel like losing. You know, so that can keep you motivated when uh, when the Iowa winters start to take hold, and you think maybe I want to stay in my bed instead of getting this morning workout in. Well, do you want to lose this Saturday? Nah, I better get up. Right. So. So you're notoriously a, a Giants fan, Giants football fan, Yankees baseball fan. Uh, what do you think of Daniel Jones? So if, oh, and just so our listeners know, uh, Joe is flashing his New York Giants shirt right now that he's wearing underneath his Briarcliff wrestling shirt. Uh, what do you think of Daniel Jones? Is he the guy that's going to take you guys back to glory? He was the guy we should have picked with the 17th. Um, no one was taking him. Uh, I think he'll be good, but uh, there was some, some meat on that bone there at, at six that we could have gotten and I think still wound up with him. So I'll always be a little bit salty about that. But, uh, you know, um, for like Eli Manning's clone, I mean, he, he'll do all right. But uh, I'm excited about the Giants. They crush my hopes week in and week out. I have till tomorrow night to get ready to see them lose to the Cowboys again. And, um, yeah, but a fan's a fan. So I don't think – we haven't really talked about how you ended up here, but just tell us, you know, kind of where you started and how you ended up coaching here at the Cliff. Yeah, so uh, I, I went to college at Binghamton University. I ended up being a graduate assistant at the Citadel. It's a military college in South Carolina. Um, from there, I, you know, kind of rolled that into – being the head uh, assistant at Davidson College, where Steph Curry went, actually. Um, I, I'm so old, I was there when he was there. But um, then I had the opportunity at a young age, you know, in my, my late 20s, like you know, 29 years old, about to turn 30, to run my own program. Um, but I was going to have to move to Iowa to do it. And uh, Livia and I picked up our stuff in, in the Carolinas and, and moved out here. So, and the rest is history. It's been a good trip. It's been a good journey for me, and I've learned a lot as a person and as a coach for sure. And, um, you know, I wouldn't go back and do it any differently. So, Coach, something we do on the podcast every week is, is my own life rules, Coach Figuera's life rules. And I know you have some pretty specific ones yourself. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me one Coach Privateer life rule that everybody should live by. Do not eat gas station pizza. That's a hot take. A lot of people in the state of Iowa are big fans of Casey's Pizza. So have you never had a slice of gas station pizza ever, or did you have a bad experience that led you to this? No, I don't eat where I get my gas. It just seems like a pretty fundamental rule to me. Um, I have never had it. I've seen it. I'm not interested. Uh, like you said, obviously, I'm from New York. I'm probably a, a pizza snob, and which is fine, but... Uh, you know, I, I meet too many people around here that just willy-nilly go get food fr from an open venue in a gas station. Like, I mean, I know some of the workers there, all right? But, uh, you know, to each his own, and, you know, I, I stand pretty firm in, in my position to not eat gas station pizza. So, Joe, if I recall correctly, you are uh, a fan of EDM music, uh, which isn't, you know, I don't think is huge in this part of the world. So give us your quick 30-second sales pitch on why uh, a casual music fan should give EDM a try and, and under what types of scenarios or circumstances do you find it's most useful to you? Um, I'm not really that interested in what artists have to say in their songs, and that is basically just beat the EDM music. I listen to it when I lift. It just kind of keeps you moving. And I find that valuable. If uh, Pearl Jam was still making music, maybe I wouldn't have fallen into EDM. But uh, partially, probably because I'm from New York and people listen to it there. And part of it's because Pearl Jam doesn't do their thing anymore. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I think it uh, in, improves my workouts. And so I would suggest it for anybody that uh, may be looking for a change. Follow-up, you and I both being Pearl Jam fans, Give me your top three or five Pearl Jam songs right now. Um, obviously, you know, Jeremy is probably the one that most people are familiar with. Yellow Leadbetter, phenomenal. Uh, Nothing Man, um, Elderly Woman. Come on, we, how long do we have here, fellas? As long as you want. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. If you don't know any, if you haven't heard any of those songs, go on YouTube right now, right now, and listen to them. He's right, people. 
if you don't know any of those songs, you need to reevaluate your music listening. Um, here's, here's another one. This is a hypothetical because I don't see this happening. But uh, right now, you, you just said you're 39 years old. I'm 35. Neither one of us in our athletic prime anymore. If you and I went over to the wrestling room right now and we were going to wrestle each other, how long would it take you to pin me? And, and before you answer, I think we need to understand I've never wrestled in my life. I have a basic understanding of it. I'm not very agile or flexible. How long do I last? I'll just say this. I would beat you in wrestling worse than you'd beat me at basketball, and I'm horrible at basketball. Like, I don't even play. I won't even try. It's embarrassing, so I don't even, yeah. I leave that to Watts and, and the assistants. And that's actually, that was going to be a follow-up question. You kind of already beat me to the punch because I was going to flip the script on that. But I, I think you're probably right. And here's, here's, a, here's a little advantage you have in basketball. You've never played but I just foresee you fouling like crazy. If we were playing one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to foul me every single possession, and I'm, I'm not going to call it every time because that, that's just BS, and I'm not going to do that. So I think that gives you a big advantage, but you're probably right, unfortunately. And, and speaking of Coach Watts, he's been brought up a couple times now. Two things I need to add if we're talking wrestling program, we, we have to talk about Coach Watts. Number one, true or false, does he have the most unhealthy diet on Briarcliff's campus? Well, I don't know. The nutrition community has come around on a few different things. I think eggs were good, then eggs were bad, then eggs were good again. I think maybe the same with coffee. So they could come around and say eating candy every day, all day, is good for you. I don't see it happening, but I've been wrong before. So, But, yeah, I mean, he, he stays in pretty good shape, and um, the majority of his intake is a gummy food. Gummies, snakes, gummy, you know watermelon shapes whatever but he's 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 washing them down with some some sort of soda it's a it's a gummy candy then a soda and, and the other thing about coach watts he actually is the best basketball playing wrestler i've ever come across he plays noon ball at briar cliff and and he can play you know there, there's there's not a lot of carryover between the two sports because like we mentioned the seasons overlap and you you don't have a lot of people who grew up wrestling and playing basketball but but coach watts can ball a little bit I'm going to follow up on your gas station pizza comment, uh, and that's fine. That's fair. You're entitled to your opinion, of course. But I have to ask then, if you were going to go get a pizza right now in Sioux City, Iowa, where's the place you go first? Are we going um, strictly on – if we're going on flavor – we're gonna we're gonna be in trouble but if, if it's like an economic thing i mean you might as well just go and get like a little caesar's six dollar deal um we do like alfredo's we do like alfredo's but some of the places here it's like you know if if you can't win them over with the flavor of your pizza just like fire more toppings on have you ever noticed that so um yeah probably alfredo's okay all right so let's i'm gonna piggyback off that question you grew up in Binghamton, upstate New York. Where are you going to go get a slice of pizza in Binghamton, New York? Oh, man. I'm going to Nurchie's probably. Nurchie's is, is the place. And um, have you ever uh, seen that cat, Dave Portnoy, does those pizza reviews? He actually had a guy on. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. He's the about. barstool. He's the barstool guy. Yeah, yeah he's the barstool guy. He yeah, he does those pizza reviews around the country. Anyway, was it like a Bills game or something, and he ran across the – another guy from my hometown who you know brought up nurtures on there i mean it's it's now pretty well known if you guys follow the pizza review deals so yeah pretty good slice of pie there and um i stand by that how do you feel about chicago style pizza i don't eat it just a gimmick is that all it's it is? a gimmick it's a gimmick if you can't if, you know it's not even a can't beat us join us if you can't beat us and like make a soupy version that you know no one's really all that interested in it's like a drink pizza drink so, Coach, appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, you know, like I said, a wrestling program at Briarcliff is one I have a lot of respect for. I think, I think Coach does a great job directing that program and, and what he's built and now sustained. I think he's got a really good thing going. And, and I'm going to put the expectations high. I mean, I, I'm expecting Briarcliff to be GPAC champs again like they were a couple years back. And, Coach, anything we missed, any parting shots you have about the wrestling season or anything like that? No, I'd like to thank you guys for having me. This was fun. Um, in all seriousness, uh, 
I, I love my job here at Briarcliff, and I consider myself fortunate to have, have spent this time here um, with some great kids, and they inspire me to keep working hard and, and keep doing good things. So um, I would like to invite anyone listening. We'll only have one home duel this semester, and that will be November 26th. They'll wrestle Dakota Weslin at 7 o'clock here in, in the Flanagan Center. So thanks again for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Joe. And and uh, again, make sure you get down here. That's the Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. So let's uh, let's fill this gym up for those guys because they work hard uh, day in and day out. And uh, let's make sure we have a loud gym because there's there's nothing quite like an intense wrestling atmosphere. I mean, it's it's unlike a basketball game. It's unlike a football game. It has a character all its own. And so hopefully we'll see everyone there. Coach, thanks a lot. All right, Coach, so as most of our listeners know, uh, now it's time for you to share some of the wisdom that you've picked up along the way in our segment that we call Coach Figuera's Life Tips. Yeah, so life rule for this week is has to do with staying in hotels. And I, I always give our guys a brief talk when we stay in a hotel for the first time. There's some etiquette things you need to live by when you stay in a hotel. And, and my biggest pet peeve, is people who put the little latch in the door so the door doesn't actually stop and then they let the door slam on that and it's really loud and it echoes throughout the whole hall and you know that's fine if you want to have your door propped open like that but don't let the door slam they're on hinges you know you can grab it with your hand and slow it down so it doesn't just ram against there and echo down the whole hall so everybody has to hear it so there you go please be courteous when you're in a hotel uh, to those around you uh, we're going to go ahead and go into a listener question that we have this re- this week. Jay Wright hit us up on Twitter. Jay is a former guest of the podcast, a uh, local Sioux City staple, especially in the basketball community, and also a former uh, GPAC player. And Jay reached out, and he, he had two comments, or I guess one comment and one question. The first was a comment that he would be all in on the 90s theme night. So I don't know if that's a Blue Crew thing or who would need to make that happen, but uh, it seems like the, the campaign is officially on for a 90s night. So whoever's out there listening, whatever you can do to make that happen, you know, please make it happen. And then his question is, uh, he's asking Coach Figuera, Coach, what would be your all-time GPAC starting five? Well, I saw Jay put this question on Twitter, so I've actually been thinking about it for a few days. It's something I've talked about numerous times. And I've decided there's a couple ground rules we're going to lay down for this question. Number one, I'm going to eliminate all current GPAC players. So we're basically talking anybody who graduated through last year is eligible to be on this starting five. And, and as I thought about it when I saw his tweet, there's a couple things, there's a couple biases that are going to come in here. You know, one, there's a personal bias. There's guys I played against I didn't like very much when I played in the league. There's a recency bias where you remember the good players of the last four or five years more vividly than you remember somebody from 18 years ago. But on the flip side of that, there's a nostalgic bias where I think we all think, well, when I played, it was the best, right. you know, and, and there was definitely some outstanding players in my time in the GPAC as a player, but there, there's, there definitely has been in my time coaching. And, you know, my history in the GPAC, we've talked about, but I'll be brief. I started as a player in 02 at Dana College, played there from 02 to 06. And then since then, all but two seasons, I've been in the GPAC on the coaching side. So I, I think I have enough information to do this. And it, it, this is a really hard question to answer, Jay, and it's something you and I probably need to go to lunch at Jim's Burgers and really hash it out sometime. But I think it, it, it starts with, with Brandon Wildstra a guy who played at Northwestern, was a senior when I was a freshman, national player of the year, two-time national champion, outstanding player. The guy was a stud, filled up the stat sheet, and one of those guys where you you didn't even sometimes realize what he'd done until you looked at the stat sheet, and you're like, holy cow, he just put 34, 14 rebounds and 10 assists. Um, so I think you have to have Brandon Wildstra on there. There's been a ton of really good big guys in the league, and dating back to one of – his teammates, Brandon Jacobson, was a stud at Northwestern. Justin Bonickson at Mount Marty was a guy who was my age, who was, for me, the hardest hardest player to guard in the league. Dakota Weslin's had a couple of really good ones, Brady Wiebe and Jalen Voss, and I know there's other ones. Because of my own bias, I'm going to say Justin Bonickson because I had to guard him 
And uh, I hope Brandon Jacobson listens to this and is upset about it. He's a friend of mine, and I, I hope he's upset that I didn't put him on my starting five. So then you're left with three perimeter spots. Here's another thing that's hard to, to judge here. The style of basketball 15 years ago in general, but in the G-Pack, is different than what it is today. You know, today you're going to have four perimeter players, sometimes five perimeter players on the floor. But when I started playing in the league, everybody was still playing two big guys for the most part. You know, so the game's a little different, and you have to factor that in there too. And, and so three perimeter players that I need to fill out this roster – One's my own bias, but but my teammate Jason Isaacson is going to be on there. You know, he averaged 26 a game, just dynamic score on the perimeter. Guy by the name of Steve Esslink, who actually only played in the league for one year, but he played at University of Sioux Falls, I think transferred from Minnesota. He might be the most talented player that's ever played in the league. Just a, a bouncy athlete, could shoot it really, really good. And my fourth start, my fourth perimeter player. I have my own, I have my own bias in here again, but I'm going to put Jay Wolf in there. What what Jay did his senior year for us at Briarcliff, you know, he deserves to be in this conversation. And because of my bias, he's in my starting five. So there you have it. You've got Wildstra, Isaacson, Esslink, Wolf, and Justin Bonixson. That team's going to win a lot of games, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure you could really go wrong with any of those names that you mentioned. I remember watching that Northwestern team. I grew up in Northwest Iowa, went to high school in the early 2000s, and uh, I remember watching those Wildster Jacobson teams, and they were just – they were unreal, uh, watching kind of where that program was at at the time. I think he was the Shaq of the G-Pack. Was that officially Jacobson's nickname? Well, I, I don't know if that was official. It's true, though. And And – Brandon actually graduated before I was in the league, but I, I did go on a recruiting visit to Northwestern, and watching him play made me question if I was good enough to play college basketball. He was, he was that good, and I, I've always been a fairly confident person, so to, to make me question it, he was pretty dang good. All right, Coach, and as you know, uh, one thing, it's kind of, a, I guess, a supplement to the life rules, but I'm going to throw some champs or chumps out there, and you just let me know where you stand on these issues. Like I said, right at the top of the podcast, it's now November, um, and I know this is kind of a divisive topic, so I just want to give a trigger warning to anyone who's out there that what we say right now may uh, may create a, a pretty severe emotional response in some people, but we're going to do it anyway, so that's your warning. Uh, first question, November 1 has come and gone. Uh, champ or chump, somebody who already has their Christmas lights on their house? Chump, too early. Uh, my wife and I are pretty pretty set Sunday after Thanksgiving we're going we're gonna to do Christmas decorations. And honestly, Matt, I'm going to give you a chump for asking this question too early. Uh, this this should be asked a couple episodes down the road, but you know what's done is done. But I'm I'm throwing you in the chump category this week. Don't you feel like you're kind of doing the city and the world a service by getting your message out there? So if anyone's kind of on the fence on whether they want to get out there, get the ladder, get the Clark Griswold thing going on, maybe they'll. I think, I doubt think that's that. a great spin job by you after being called out. So I I half take it back. <laughs> yeah, I I. I agree with you. I think right after Thanksgiving is fine to start with Christmas music and Christmas lights. And it's nothing more than, you know, I love, I like that stuff just as much as the next person. But when you start now, it's just so easy to get sick of it. And I don't want to be sick of it by Christmas time. That's really my beef with it. I don't have any real philosophical or political issues with it other than I just don't want to get sick of it by December one. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, do what makes you happy, but it, it just seems like an overkill to me. That's all. So uh, now that Privateer has left the room and we feel a little bit safer, uh, Champ or Chump, somebody who doesn't like Casey's Pizza? Well, I, I mean, personally, I like it. I, I'll, I'll say neutral, I guess. You know, and, you know, Coach P, he's nothing if he's not opinionated. And, and he will stand with his opinions, no doubt. So, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I personally do. But, uh, you know, if you have a hard and fast rule that you won't eat gas station pizza, then more power to you and, and keep that thing going. At this point, I would be disappointed in, in Priv if he started eating gas station pizza after going on the record with that take. Yeah, he's a man of principle, and I don't, I don't think it would be hard to argue that he's a champ. So uh, we'll give him a break on that one. So, Coach, last one, champ or chump, uh, the, the 
shot clock rule in uh, college basketball has changed now. It's a 30-second with a 20-second reset, and there's some other nuances involved with that that uh, we don't need to necessarily get fully into. But champ or chump, I guess, uh, whoever created the new rule. That is an emphatic champ. And it speeds the game up. It increases the pace of the game. And obviously, that's something I'm all for. Also, we had a lot of experience this first week with the shot clock resets because we gave up way too many offensive rebounds. And so we saw it firsthand. But that, that, that was a great thing. And I, I think more and more the rules of college basketball are trending towards the international and even in some instances the NBA game. And that's great for college basketball. And, and there's a lot more things that I would love to see happen and I think maybe will happen over the next four, six years. But uh, that, that's a good start right there, and, and that's a really good change for college basketball. All right, so there you have it, two chumps and a champ this week. Uh, that's not even fair. I guess we, uh, you kind of went neutral on Privateer. So one champ, one chump, and a, and a no call there. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and get things wrapped up here in just a second. Coach, so I know you said you had a shout-out. What do you have this week? Yeah, just a real quick one this week, Matt. Just a general shout-out to our, our coaching staff, our assistant coaches at Briarcliff, and, and Coach Forbes and Coach Erdman day in and day out, put in a ton of time, whether it's working with our guys, whether it's scouting, whether it's recruiting, whether it's putting up with me in the office. Uh, those guys do a great job. And, then, and Coach Leffler and, and Coach Schultz, those guys aren't you know here all day, every day, but for practices and games – they just do a really good job, and, and when I can lean on those guys when we travel for a weekend, and I don't have to worry about the hotel arrangements or the food arrangements, those guys just take care of it. Um, it it's a big load off my plate, and, and so shout out to all those guys. All right, so reminder, uh, make sure you're, if you can make it, get up to Aberdeen, South Dakota this weekend. Briarcliff takes on Dakota State at 5.30 on Friday up at Presentation College for the Presentation College Classic. Again, Dakota State at 5.30 on Friday, and then turn around the following night and play Presentation at 7 o'clock on Saturday. So on behalf of Coach Figuera and Joe Privateer, this is Matt Gall. We will catch you next week.